Hello, I'm Matt Barnes, and if you're a parent with school-age kids, then I want you to just take a moment and consider listening to this show and maybe joining as well. Dr. Scott and I are all about one thing that every parent should be concerned about and be really focused on, and that is to help their children become lifelong learners. We'll talk more about why that's important, but as background, I have coached thousands of parents around their child's education over the last 10 years. Dr. Scott, my partner in crime, he has graduated thousands of students because he has served in the belly of the beast. He's been a teacher, a principal, a uh, a regional superintendent as well, serving over 60 schools. Uh, He's been quite the man inside of the system. And so our job now is to help you lead your child. And so what we're doing on this show is we're helping families learn how to navigate this incredibly uncertain world of education, um, and not just during COVID, but really during COVID and beyond. And so, again, your job is to lead your child. That's what we believe. But our job is to help you do it better. That's the education game. We call this the playbook for highly engaged parents. I've got a really special show for you today because I've got one of the most special people I can think of joining me today to talk about what it means to be a lifelong learner and what it means to be a student. This is my daughter, Olivia, who is joining us today on the show. Hello, Olivia. Hi. So Olivia's a little nervous, but that's okay. I told her that we have literally fives of people listening uh, across the world. It's uh, We've got a, a very, very popular show with five or six people listening, and that should be enough to make her a little nervous. Um, hopefully more will, will listen, though, because this is going to be a fun show. Now, I bring my daughter on not just because I can and she can't say no. That's part of it. But I also bring her on because she's showing uh, a very different pathway for a lot of kids. I talked to a parent. I don't know if I told you about this, Olivia. I talked to a parent a couple weeks ago who I said, you know, what would you need help with to, you know, help your child become a, a more of a lifelong learner? And her response was she wanted to hear examples of kids who've done it. And what it means and and to give them some inspiration because it's scary. And so I said, well, you know what? Let's bring Olivia on. So with that introduction, folks, let me turn this over to Olivia a little bit. And I'll pepper her with some questions and and she will uh, she will let us know what her thoughts are. And again, Olivia, I want you to be honest. Uh, no point in putting on a show. Uh, let's start, Olivia, with just about you, the question that uh, you know everyone always asks, like, tell me about yourself. Lou, can you start by doing that? By the way, I call her Lou um, as a nickname, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Lou? Yeah, sure. Um, so, as you guys know, um, I, my name is Olivia Barnes. I'm 16 years old, um, Matthew Barnes's daughter. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I'm going to start sort of talking about myself with a question. Um, so... Have you, anyone listening and dad in particular, have you ever had that instance where you are walking down the beach and you are enjoying the sunshine and the waves and all of a sudden that experience is disrupted by a piece of trash or um, like pollution, some sort of pollution that totally obstructs the beauty mm. of just being in nature? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, well, I have felt that a lot. Um, and that is one thing that really inspires me um, to change. And so I think I think the biggest thing to know about me is that part of the reason why I am trying to become an independent learner is because um, I know that this world needs to change. And I know that um, there's a lot of things wrong with this world, like plastic pollution. Um, and I also know that 
I I have the opportunity and I have the motivation to to act upon it, um, whether that is in school or what I'm doing right now, which is more outside of school. Um, I you know I love the ocean and I don't want to see it disrupted and destroyed by plastic and pollution. So yeah. I think that's the biggest really thing to know about me. Yeah. So that's you know um, Olivia has shown an interest in marine uh, marine life and water for a number of years. She's also a well, she's a, a kind of a fitness guru. What was the thing you're into, Olivia? <laughs> Competitive swimming. Yeah, so she's a big time swimmer. So um, I guess if you're ever swimming in the ocean and you, you know, have you ever swam in the ocean and seen trash? Just kind of, yeah, really, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember we went to the beach. We stayed on the beach a couple months ago, um, and we picked up so much trash in just maybe 100 yards of our campsite. It was really unbelievable. I had never really imagined how much trash is really floating around and, and washing up on shore. So yeah. so this is your passion, though, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's now, again, we're talking to parents and we're talking a lot about education. Olivia, help us understand your very, very weird, unusual educational pathway. And we'll get to the to where you are now, but let's start with kind of some of the first things you remember, what are some of the things that are kind of um, linchpin ideas or thoughts around your education? Let's start in grade school, if you could. Yeah, so um, grade school. <laughs> I remember the school I went to. Um, it was a private school. Um, we went to school three days a week and were homeschooled. Um, or our parents helped us with school the other two days or three days. Um, yeah, it was actually you were in school two days. Two days a week, week yeah, and they and helped us home. the other three days. Yeah, sorry, I think I yeah, messed that up. Yeah, the term that for that for folks is a hybrid homeschool or a hybrid school. Uh, some public schools are talking about it right right now because of COVID, uh, having kids come in two or three days a week and then home the other two or three days a week, and that's what she did since, since kindergarten, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think some of the biggest things that I remember. Uh, were just reading a lot. Um, books like Sarah Plain and Tall, that's one of the one of my favorites from when I was little. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Um, but also just things like being at home with, you know, my family and learning with them. Um, I think that was really helpful because it not only it showed me the like enjoyment of learning because I was around my I was around my siblings, I was around my parents, I was in an environment that I trusted and I felt safe in. Um, but I also was able to learn just you know more than just what the school had taught us um yeah we yeah, just so what's different about our house than hmm. most of your friends that you know for one it does not have a tv <laughs> did you hear that y'all we do not have a television in our house in 2020 we haven't had one since i don't know it may have been 2000 and yeah the last tv we had was a box tv yeah 2005 or something like that yeah. maybe uh, as the kids were starting to grow up. So so what do you think that did for you? I mean, it just really, it enforced the idea that, um, you know, it's not, I mean, I guess our house isn't a, just a time for entertainment and play, but it's also a time to learn, you know, and like, you know, as some kids might have on the weekends, you know, sat at home and watched TV, but we were, you know, going to museums, going to like, things like the health museum, then, uh, what is it, history, natural science, science and yeah, history science museum, and natural history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, stuff like that. Um, that really connected, you know, a love of learning with actually learning and, you know, being outside and exploring. Yeah. Well, let me pause you real quick. We're going to have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll talk more with Olivia. Just a moment. This is Matt with The Education Game. Be back in a moment.
Okay, welcome back. We're again here with Olivia Barnes, my daughter. She's telling about her educational experience, which was pretty unusual. When we just left for our station break, uh, she was talking about her educational experience and how we don't have a television in their home and what that meant for her. Um, and you were saying, Olivia, that uh, a home was a place for learning, not just a place for pr- play or entertainment. Yeah. Uh, what else did you think um, uh, that did for you? Do you have any thoughts about it? Well, I mean, it's sort of sort of going off of that learning thing. We also had a ton of books in our house mm. um, and reading was something that was really enforced um, and uh, sort of established from an early age. Um, and I'm pretty sure that by like age 12 or 13, I read almost all the books in our house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more. And I didn't, I, and I read maybe a quarter of the books. You guys were tearing through them. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and just on that point, a good friend of ours, uh, surprised us when our kids were probably, I guess my oldest was probably five or six with this book set, 50 books, uh, it was called. Do you remember the name of that book set? The uh, books. No, the oh, great illustrated classics. Yes, great illustrated classics, um, which were all the classic literature, but were simplified for a five, six, seven, eight-year-old reader, and it was a great launching pad. So, for families that are out there, I'm trying to paint a picture a little bit about how what happens early ends up showing up later. And as we walk through Olivia's experience, you'll hear more about what's showing up now as she's a 16-year-old and some of the things she's done. So back to you, Lou. So uh, when did you get interested in swimming? Um, I mean, I guess I'll, I'd always loved the water. Um, I guess I, I learned how to swim when I was four or five. You mm-hmm. guys enrolled me in a swim class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just And again, for the folks in Houston, um, there's a swim program called the Harris County Aquatics Program. HCAP, which is a free swim program that was started by El Franco Lee, a former commissioner. Um, and it is incredibly, incredibly valuable stuff because kids, a lot of kids from the barrio or from the hood, uh, learn how to swim. And, and there are not, not a lot of pools uh, around these areas. And so uh, really tribute to El Franco Lee for that investment of time. And so Olivia learned to swim there. And then so uh, at what point did you, did you always want to swim? <laughs> no, <laughs> dad knows a story. Oh yes. Um, that's why I'm asking. At, I think age six or seven, uh-huh. seven. I, so yeah, probably seven. I wanted to play basketball with some of the girls from my school. Um, but my sister and brother were still on our swim team. They're, um, still part of our swim team. And so my dad said, since he wanted our family to be together and not separated in different sports, he said, you know, you can either watch your siblings swim and sit on the sidelines or you can get in and swim yourself and so well i wanted to give you a choice you did right? you gave me a choice gave her a choice between watching her kids or her brother and sister swim or swimming herself and she chose to sit on the sidelines for, for like a day yeah. and then i realized that i did not want to do that so i got back in and <laughs> and just for context for those listening i'm not an ogre well, I, I am an ogre actually <laughs> but the point i was trying to make there was i didn't want to be a parent that was bouncing all around town trying to keep track of my kids and their interests. Yes, my kids had interest in other things, but it was a priority for us to simplify our life, simplify our life. That's also part of the reason that television was not involved because we were trying to simplify our life. And one thing, Olivia, that you may not connect with not having a television, but, uh, you know, how many how many pairs of uh, shoes do you have? Tennis shoes, we'll say. How many pairs? One. One pair of tennis shoes. Uh, how many, you know, I don't know, uh, 
shirts. Like count, count how many shirts you think you have in your closet. What do you think? Like nice shirts or like workout shirts? Well, yeah, I guess most of your <laughs> stuff is workout shirts. Yeah. My point being here is that not having a television created kids that were not consumers. They just they hadn't seen as many commercials. They they just weren't as influenced by um, all the mess that's that's trying to sell stuff to kids all the time. And so for us, not having a television also allowed us to simplify life in our home. And that's a really important dynamic for us. So anyway, back to you, Olivia. Um, when did you first start having a love of marine sciences? Well, I think I've always, I've always really loved nature. Um, uh, going to the beach, you know, Galveston isn't the prettiest beach, but it was, you know, the closest to our home in Houston. And so we would go there with, um, uh, on a pretty regular basis in the summer. And that was, you know, just being near the ocean. That was a highlight. And I think as I got older, I started connecting that with something that I'd actually like to do in my life. Yeah. Do you recall uh, watching the documentary? Hmm. What was it called? Blackfish. Blackfish. Yeah. 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 I was probably, what, 12, 13? I think you were younger than that. 10, 11, maybe. Um, I remember us pausing it because my youngest daughter (laughs) was kind of weirded out by it. So this is a documentary about, um, well, why don't you talk talk about it? Yeah. So it's a documentary about... um, SeaWorld, not entirely SeaWorld, but about orca whales, or uh, also known as killer whales, um, and sort of how they are brought from the wild into captivity, into places like SeaWorld and other sort of um, marine parks and theme parks and stuff like that. Um, And the documentary is geared mostly towards the impact it has upon these whales. Um, And that was sort of something that I was like, it really took me off of thinking about oh how beautiful it is like i want to go swim with the dolphins to actually thinking like wow there's something out there that needs to change yeah 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 that's i think that's when i noticed there was a a motivation to be more than just be entertained by uh sea creatures uh but you had actually expressed interest in it earlier probably seven or eight you started drawing a lot of pictures of fish Uh, i'm not sure if it had to do with you swimming i don't know uh but the reason that we exposed her to blackfish at a fairly young young age, I mean, that, move, that movie is actually a little disturbing because, you know, the story is about how these uh, orcas um, turned their on their trainers, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so there were some pretty disturbing places. But over the, you know, three years prior to watching that video, three or four years, she had been reading more books about um, sea creatures, about life, about ocean, spending more time on the beach. And to us, this was just kind of a natural next step, even though it was early, because we were starting to see that she had an interest in an area that actually might be a passion for her. So so let's go through your educational experience. So you were in this hybrid environment mm-hmm. from kindergarten on. Yep. Do you remember some of the challenges you had in the early grades? Because I do. <laughs> I actually the, the don't. Ch- what is it? The chair of doom? Is oh. that what it's called? Yeah, I had some some self-control issues a little some bit. Behavior. So Olivia had some behavioral stuff going on. Um, and I am, you know, I'm convinced that if she were in a typical school structure, she would have been labeled ADHD. She would have been um, probably removed from a class because in those two days that she was in class, we had some consistent challenges <laughs> with yeah. the teachers. And, and again, I, I get it, right? Uh, you got... 19, 20, 30 kids in a classroom, you can't have any one of them acting out or it's chaos. But kids are all different and kids have different 
you know, energy levels. And Olivia had a ton of energy. And uh, even though we were really, really, really disciplined about keeping her on track at home, you know, and in a school environment, it was very difficult for her. So um, only by accident did we realize that having her at home so much insulated her from the consequences that would have come had she been in school all the time. So that's a really interesting dynamic, especially now as parents are at home with their kids oftentimes, right? Your kid who is a problem child at school, now he's at home and you actually can teach them in a way that may not be possible when there's 30 other kids in the classroom. So, Lou, you don't, may not remember some of that, but I certainly I do. do. <laughs> yes. There was a che- one of the teachers, what was it called? The, the ch- Chair of Doom. Chair of Doom. This was in fun and in jest, but, you know, uh, you know, when a kid was misbehaving, the child had to... You know, spend some time in the chair. Um, okay, continuing on. So now you move to middle school, same educational model. What were some of the drawbacks about going to a school like that? I mean, I didn't really have much exposure to any other sort of culture. So the school I went to was a private Christian school. Um, and, you know, that's the school I'd gone to since kindergarten. So that's all I had really known. Yeah. And it's also a classical model, right? So yeah. it's all studies of the classical literature, primarily Western civilizations, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So I sort of had a, uh, I sort of wanted to get out, you know, um, and explore and see new things, meet new people, see new cultures. Um, and that sort of got exposed. That sort of desire got exposed in eighth grade whenever I auditioned for um, the Performing and fi- or Visual Arts High School, HSPVA, um, for visual arts and creative writing. Yeah, and just for those that, that, are in, that are not in Houston or don't know this high school, it is about the exact opposite of the educational environment she was in, right? One was uh, Christian, uh, fairly white, a lot of homeschoolers or quasi-homeschoolers, uh, Income, they had some income distribution there, but it wasn't like wealthy folks because a lot of the homeschoolers are not wealthy. They, they choose it for other reasons. But let's, let's come back to this because this is a really interesting part of the story when the story really takes some interesting turns. Um, give us a minute. We'll be back. This is the education game. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. This is uh, The Education Game, and I am Matt Barnes sitting with my daughter, Olivia, learning about the trajectory of a young person who grows up in a different educational model, a model that really, by our design, has, I won't say forced, but in many ways forced Olivia to see the world a little differently and to follow a path that is uniquely hers. So she, when we just came to, to our break, uh, she was telling the story about how when she was in eighth grade, and really from her entire educational career from kindergarten to eighth grade, she'd been in a very closed environment. Um, and now she wanted to get out, right? So, yeah. and you applied to where again? HSPVA. Which is the High School for Visual and Performing Arts. Coveted, coveted high school here in town. People from all over the region are trying to get into the school. Uh, and you applied and what happened? I applied and I got into creative writing. I really didn't hesitate to like sort of confirm my spot. Like I had said before, I'd been in a Christian private <laughs> white environment for so long that I wanted to see something new. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I mean, it was it was 
the artisticness of it was something that I had never seen before. And I didn't even know that, you know, kids were capable of doing stuff that amazing and excellent. Right, right. Yeah, they're doing incredible performances. We went to, what was it? Chicago. Yeah. Which was, I mean, it was top-notch kind of performance stuff. And these are sophomores, juniors, and seniors in high school. Yeah, so I, I, I had a really, really great time there, a memory that I will never forget. But coming out of freshman year, the structure sort of got to me. So I realized that public school had a lot more structure than the private school that I had left. So let me pause you there, right? So let's talk about structure. So what was the structure like in the school that you left, which again was this hybrid school, on those three days that you weren't in school, what what went on? Um, I did my homework, um, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, you had no Um, choice. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it wasn't as pressing. Like at HSPVA, and I feel like in many high or public high schools, you go to school for seven to eight hours, um, learn things there, and then come home and do two to three or almost even sometimes four hours of homework at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really overwhelming coming from a place where you would go to school for, you know, seven hours, but then you'd stay at home the next day and you could do that work and you can learn it at a timely basis. But we also got, I feel like it was a lot more quality over quantity. Mm. Um, In which one? one, In the private school. Because there wasn't as much time like time crunch for us to get something done by a certain date. Yeah. I just want to clarify when she says private school, this is not a traditional private school. This is a hybrid homeschool. Uh the the fee was extraordinarily low, a fraction a tenth uh of what uh most private schools actually charge because we were doing the work at home. Right. right? And so again, let's let me just b- before we continue on, because again I want you, I hope you folks at home are hearing this there's something that's interesting happening within her, in her. So she's starting to realize that the public and the private model, right, all traditionally modeled schools, the child is in, in class for a significant amount of time during the day, seven hours usually, and then usually they're given homework. I've talked to several parents who talk about in sixth or seventh grade, their child having two hours of homework a night. Now, when I was the busiest I've been at work, I'd never worked this, the, the type of hours that kids are being asked to work at age 11, 12, 13 years old. Um, but again, Olivia never got exposed to that because at home, when did you finish your home? Like what time were you done with your homework at home, do you think? Do you recall? Probably like two or three, right? At the very latest. Right. Like many times there was, we were done at noon because then you would do, you'd move into doing artwork mm. or we'd go swimming or do other things with the time, and then the evenings were ours, right? right? So so now, back to you as a freshman at uh, HSPVA. You started to realize that in order to be, quote-unquote, successful in that school, you had to go to school during the day, which you enjoyed, but mm-hmm. then you had hours of homework a night. What what things did you have to give up in order to, uh, in order to be successful, quote-unquote, successful in that school? Um, swimming. That was probably the biggest thing for me. Um, and although I loved doing three hours of creative writing, um, which is what we did, we have our you know typical academic class in the morning and then three hours of art. Yeah. Um, I really missed swimming. And I also really missed spending time trying like researching about marine biology, which I didn't get in my biology class. You know, it was very rigid. Like, this is what we're learning about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had no time left to do either of those things um, yeah. just for homework. Yeah. And you, I remember you really raving about your biology instructor 
uh, Mr. Yeah. Zhao, Mr. right? Zhao. <laughs> yeah, he's a great, great teacher, apparently. Um, uh, but you had no freedom to to explore things that you had an interest in, mm-hmm. right? So now, to parents who are listening, one of the key things I I talk to to you about is asking your child what they are interested in. And what you will find is that nine times out of 10, maybe even 99 times out of 100, no one ever asks the child what they're interested in. It didn't, in order to, like, what are they interested in learning about? Um, and as a result, most kids have to bury their interests in order to be, quote unquote, successful in the school that they're in. And so Olivia now is running face to face on this. By the way, Olivia, you must have really done a poor job in your classes. You must not have done well. That's why you're not liking ex- the experience, right? Is it because you just didn't do, you weren't successful in your classes? <laughs> no. Are you sure? I'm, I'm pretty How do sure. you know you weren't successful in your classes? Um, because I got all A's. She got all A's. So then at the end of that year, what happened? I, um, they sent out a survey or a form that asked if we were coming back and I said, no. Right. Um, although I had a lot of tears from my classmates, um, I wanted to try something new. I wanted to try to design my own educational experience. Um, and so... Let me just pause you right there. So I want you to appreciate how weird what you just said is, right? <laughs> I wanted to design my own educational experience. How many kids out there right now would love to say the exact same thing as what you just said? Right. Uh, but, but again, right now, even during COVID, when kids are at home, they still don't have space to design any aspect of their learning because it is so regimented. It is so I'm starting to preach now. All right. <laughs> but I want I'm, parents, I'm trying to get you to hear the difference in what is going through her mind and what's going through uh, a lot of kids minds. And and frankly, what might be going through your child's mind right now? Gosh, I wish I had more freedom. There's some things that I want to learn about and discover. I don't necessarily want to study what's being taught me. I, I may do well in it, but I don't want to do it. When am I going to get the opportunity to explore for myself? So you decided to set up your own learning experience. What did that look like? Yeah, so it was amazing. I loved it. So I um, signed up for classes at a... Uh, local university called university university of st thomas um uh biology class semester because that is where i'm most interested in Mm -hmm. um i took my history and english classes at um a private school another private school but this private school is different because it was their educational model was i think it's called a la carte where you can pick and choose what classes you're going to take so i was able to take two classes at that school, even though some of my classmates were full-time students. students. And again, just to be clear, that school also was a hybrid school, very much structured like a university is structured. You take classes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as an example. That's how her schedule was. And you took science, or no, no, you took uh, history and... History and English at that school. Yeah. And I did an online math program and then a homeschool Spanish. Yes. And so for the parents who are thinking about math... Uh, there is an online math program. If your child shows any interests in math, any curiosity about math, there is a program called the Art of Problem Solving. It is not cheap. It's about $500 a course. So it is not cheap. But I tell you what, it is worth it. Uh, there, it, it there is, I've never seen a math course that is as challenging and is as um, 
oh my goodness, how do I even describe it? Uh, it's, it's all based on problem solving, right? It's not about getting a grade. It's about learning and learning how to solve problems. That's the math course she took. Uh, that was also recommended by a friend, uh, a homeschooling friend. So the art of problem solving. Take a look. You'll you you will be. It, it's not easy. It is no, not easy. Not at all. But uh, but uh, it, it absolutely prepares a child to think and to problem solve. Yeah. All right. So we're coming up on another break here in a moment. But Lou, can you give me a little bit more about? So you you, you took the art of problems. Tell me more about art of problem solving. Whew. <laughs> it was it was really challenging. Um, and part of the reason why it was so challenging is because it goes in so much more depth than any any algebra two class that I would I could have taken anywhere. Yeah. Um, it, it it makes you think in ways that you don't normally think. In like a normal algebra two class, you you have the problems and you just go through and plug. This one, you had to actually like solve and you had to take pieces that you'd learned from different chapters like weeks before yeah. Yeah. and use bits and pieces to come together to make. There wasn't a formula for each problem. Exactly. You had to make it yourself. And as a result, so one of the key parts of character that we at the education game want parents and children to develop is really this issue of grit and perseverance. I remember there was a math problem. You remember this problem? Yeah. She spent, I think it was 45 minutes on one problem. And when she got it right, I saw her hands go up in the air. She she screamed. She was excited because she had learned that perseverance leads to success, not taking the easy path. Uh, this is The Education Game. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. This is our last segment, and here with Olivia Barnes, who's describing her educational path. I'm not going to do much of an intro here. Let's just keep going, Lou. So last year, you were taking courses, several science courses, sitting next to 18, 19, 20-year-olds at yeah. the University of St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. How did you do academically? I did very well. I was actually really nervous, um, but I got A's in both classes and loved them. Learned yeah. a ton. Got to know the professors real well as well. The professors were surprised that you were 15 at the time, right? Let's fast forward because that year was a pretty great year for you. Yeah. Did you Were you able to do the other things you were interested in? And if so, what types of things did you also do? I, I did. So I um, got really back into swimming after a year of being um, pretty inactive um, I trained a ton, went to, I guess, a meet called sectionals. I don't know if anyone knows uh, what that is, yeah, but it's a really state, competitive state, state meet. meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the summer, went scuba diving with my family. I had gotten my certification a couple years prior. Um, so that was something that I really enjoyed, something that um, is connected to my passion in marine biology. Just on a whole, I spent a lot more time <laughs> With social, which is something that I hadn't mentioned before, but I did, I'm not super strong on social. Um, Probably because school has been a big aspect of my life. But last year, I was able to balance things pretty fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's cool for me as a parent is to watch uh, my daughter uh, mature, uh, you know, and actually take leadership. You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot at the education game is this issue of self-directed learning and becoming a lifelong learner. When a person decides that they have an interest in something – you can't stop them. <laughs> and that's, that part is the exciting part. Cause once a, a child, adult, you name it has said, this is what I'm, this is what I'm about. Then they're off to the races. Now that may shift over time. Who knows? But 
the child is learning how to pursue things of interest to them. And that is a skill that is in short supply, unfortunately, in 2020. So continuing, Olivia, so you I know you've done some writing as well, some creative writing Mm -hmm. outside of school. Now what? You're now 16. Yep. What would be considered a junior? We don't even know what that means anymore with you. Right. Right. So you're you're 16. You've got a bunch of college credits. Um, what are you doing this year? Yeah. So this year I am trying to go, I guess you could say, full homeschool. Um, Hold on. I need to interrupt that. <laughs> all right. So the term homeschool has all these connotations. Homeschool suggests that the parent is is leading it. I, Self-directed homeschool. Uh, yes, I would say so. And Dr. Scott will talk about this. We want to be real careful about language. When we say school, we tend to think of sitting in a classroom with a book, someone assigning it, and there's a due date, right? That's not what you're doing. So we talk in terms of mm-hmm. self-directed learning, learning or yeah. home learning or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about what that looks like for you. Yeah. So, um, it, <laughs> the biggest thing is it requires a lot more planning than I imagined. Um, in September and August, I began designing um, what I would like my next six months to look like. Just starting with six months. Um, hopefully I can get to 12 months, but just starting with six months. Um, and we began setting goals for things like researching projects on, you know, plastic bans and the the problem of the uh, vaquita extinction in the Sea of Cortez and um, sea turtle endangerment. Vaquita is a... Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, a, it's a porpoise. It's yes. a type of, like, dolphin whale. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, they call it a sea cow. That's why they call it a vaquita. But anyway, yeah. continue. Um, uh, sea turtle endangerment in uh, Corpus Christi and the Gulf of Mexico, stuff like that that I'm really passionate about that I actually want to learn about. Um, and I guess this is sort of inspired by um, Greta Thunberg, who said a quote that I'm not going to get right, but she said something about why do we have to sit in school and wait for us to become, quote unquote, ready for us to change the world? Like, why can't it start now? And so that's sort of where I'm trying to go with my um, interest in marine biology. I'm trying to start now and trying to make change now. Tell us who Greta Thun- Thunberg? Th- Thunberg. Thunberg is. She is a Swedish activist um, who... Kind of environmental activist, mm, right? Environmental activist. Gained a lot of popularity for um, skipping school and staying in front of um, some political building holding a sign that said, strike for climate change. Um, And she really talked about, you know, how our Earth is coming to this existential crisis in the form of climate change and no one's doing anything about it and we need to make change. So She made an international... Uh, she was an international rock star for yeah. a period of time, still is, mm-hmm. because again, at, I think she was 15 or 16 at the time. She might have been 14. Maybe 14. She actually got the world's attention around an issue that has been festering for a long period of time, right? So Olivia sees her as a uh, type of a uh, kind role of a model. role model. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, which is, I think, one of the real amazing things that I'm realizing. Now, connecting some dots here, real quick, Lou. When I saw those kids at HSPVA performing, mm-hmm. like adults, like 25-year-olds, I said, well, my goodness, if they can do that at age 15, then why can't all these 15-year-olds do things that we expect adults, quote-unquote, adults to do at age 15, right. right? Why can't they engage in uh, a, a, a national issue and take it on? Right. 
And oftentimes the reason is because they don't have the time. There's Their life is occupied by school to the degree that if they wanted to do something, it'd have to happen in the one hour between uh, homework at home and bedtime. And that doesn't give you the space to actually uh, to act. So, Olivia, you missed something that's pretty important to your experience. You you had some pretty interesting experiences with the zoo, did you not? Yeah. I can't believe I forgot to talk about that. Yeah. So I volunteered at the school or at the, <laughs> I volunteered at the zoo um, for two years in a row. Um, unfortunately, COVID prevented me from volunteering a third year. Um, but last year I volunteered in the aquarium department um, and that was really, really it was really ins- ins- uh, inspiring um, because you can just see the um, zookeepers working with the animals and they actually, they change their lives because they're so close to those animals. They change their lives to better help the environment. You know, they're mm-hmm. talking about different ways to recycle and be sustainable and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you've met, you've met a lot of new folks, right? Mm-hmm. Who are in yeah. the area of interest to you. We call what do we call that? Networking. Networking, and so networking is one of those skills that oftentimes don't get developed until after you, well, college maybe, but usually after you get to college. So tell us, Olivia, Olivia some of the things you're hoping to do this in this next six months. Right? Yeah, and and tell us what's hard about this too. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to start with what I'm going to do, and I'm going to tell what I'm going to what it's hard about it. Um, so my top three goals um, are, like I said before, trying to granted deeper knowledge and act um, in the field of climate change and uh, ocean conservation. Um, I also have a lot of swimming goals because, you know, I love swimming. Yes, you do. <laughs> and then my third, um, and I haven't talked about this a lot, is art. Um, I think a big thing for me is um, actually being able to spread word and do activism through visual and creative writing visual art and creative writing. Um, and that's something that I think I have a skill in and something that I think I could impact a lot of people in. Um, and this is not easy at all. Uh, I have learned the hard way that, you know, school might have prepared me to get A's, but they didn't prepare me to um, be able to, you know, do actually do things and learn things when no one's standing over my back telling me what to do. Um, and I have struggled in these last few months and weeks with YouTube and social media um, because with no one telling me what to do, I'm not going to a place. I'm not sitting in front of a teacher. Um, I have all this free time. And I think that is the biggest issue because with the free time, I have to now develop the discipline to actually use it to advance the things that I'm interested in and passionate about. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I tell you, I, I learned that lesson the hard way when I got to college. I had so much free time. I acted like a, just a, a fool <laughs> with all that free time. And so I'm, I'm really delighted that you're learning how to manage that now so you do not fall in the trap that I fell into. Um, let me let me ask you quickly about San Diego and some of the things you're, you're hoping to do related to San Diego this upcoming six months. Yeah. So I have a connection with um, a lady who uh, I think she went to San, uh, UC San Diego. Um, she works at um, an institute down there. Um, and I would oh, an oceanographic institute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I would love to make a connection with. Uh, either the school um, with her and the institution she works with or both um, just to further, you know, increase my network um, and just learn more about the field that I'm passionate about. Right. Right. So this is um, and we're about out of time. I just was kind of enthralled in the conversation. We're about Mm -hmm. out of time. But uh, I want you parents to hear what has happened, this journey that she's been on. It is not easy. 
But I have no doubt that she is going to figure this stuff out and figure it out early enough for her to then catapult herself. Maybe we'll have you back on, Olivia, at another time. We'll talk about college and the realities of how do you manage this and what do you think about college and things like that. So uh, thank you for being on. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you. So that's it. That's another episode. And I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Thanks to Olivia for being here. Again, The Education Game is brought to you by Community Health Choice and produced by Pottery Studios. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast at theeducationgame.com. You can also sign up for one of our webinars. You can even call and talk to me one-on-one. Again, theeducationgame.com is the website. Olivia, thanks for being here again. And I'm your host, Matt Barnes. Dr. Scott and I look forward to speaking with you again right here on The Education Game.